It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. It's the Adam Ritz Show, and we're live on campus today in New Jersey at Monmouth University, broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. This is the football team, Monmouth University, the Hawks. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. Are you enjoying the show? I am. That's fantastic. Glad to hear. This is a lot of energy here, a lot of excitement, and we are on campus today to honor one of the student-athletes here for your character and your community service and your integrity. Uh, the Adam Rich Show partners with the Caught in the Act Awards, and one of you has been caught in the act. Um, not doing something bad. Uh, that Sometimes being caught in the act is a bad thing. You've been caught in the act uh, with high character off the field. Uh, the coaches pulled together some names. A lot of you qualify uh, and were nominated for this award, but after voting, uh, we have a unanimous winner, and his name is Dave Demirjan. Dave, where are you at? All right. Dave Demirjan. Hi, Dave. How are you? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Did I get that name right? Demirjan? Demirjan, yeah. Demirjan. Dave Demirjan. And you're a senior? Yes. And you've been uh, picked out of the crowd for having uh, high character, integrity. How's that make you feel? Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, we, you know, we work hard to have high results uh, off the field, and we like to highlight these stories to remind our listeners that uh, you can work just as hard off the field, uh, outside of the scope of your job or your production or your family, to do the right things um, wherever you go on planet Earth. Be a gentleman, have high integrity, high character. Um, we talk about community service a lot. Your years here on campus with Monmouth, does any community service project jump out to you? Uh, yeah, when I was younger, uh, we went and we uh, read books to um, some kids over at a local school, and uh, this just kind of stuck out in my head. And uh, right now, this is your is this your fifth year, senior year, and you're a team captain. Yes, that's okay. correct. All right. Well, Dave, I can't thank you enough for having high character and being a great example for all of us. Let's have another round of applause for Dave. Get to know Adam at AdamRich.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. And the show continues in the state of South Carolina. I'm on the campus of Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, with Stephanie Boyd. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Oh, great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. And you're um, the campus druggie. What is your title? <laughs> you have a specific title, title including drug and alcohol. I don't know. Are you the town drunk? Are you the Otis of Furman well, University? I, you know, some might think so, but no, I'm actually the coordinator of alcohol and drug education programs here okay. at Furman. Alcohol and drug education programs, Furman University. Big, big job. I mean, uh, on a college campus, a lot of college kids like to have a drink, uh, possibly a little bit more experimentation beyond the drink. Uh, tell us what goes on in your uh, office across your desk. Sure. Um, primarily, I work with um, student groups in an educational way, so we're more proactive on programming and risk management. And then anytime a student gets in trouble for an alcohol or drug violation, they're typically sent to me. Um, they could go through a short online course or they spend eight hours with me on a kind of a, a longer alcohol and drug education programs. And then I do quite a bit of one-on-one -on -one counseling. 
What is a student's, I guess, reaction or mindset on average when they have to come to your office after that first time, first time they get in trouble? Um, you know, there's, there's often frustration because for every one that's getting in trouble, there are probably 10 that are doing the same thing on the same night or day and, you know, they haven't been caught. And so the frustration is why me? Um, but I find after we spend some time together and we get to know each other, um, many of them find it was a helpful experience. And so some of that frustration, aggravation tends to go away. Is there a, I guess, um, this is going to be a, too simple of a question, but I have a small brain. Is there a, just a simple, quick fact you can throw at a student that's sitting in your office with that frustration, why am I here, just some sort of simple phrase or sentence that can get them on your side right off the bat. Look, this is important. There's a lot of problems that come from alcohol and drugs, and this is why we're tackling this problem now. Um, well, the first thing I do is acknowledge that, yes, there are people that were doing the same thing that didn't get caught, and that doesn't make them any better or any more lucky than you. It just was the circumstance. But we're here, so let's make the best of it. And for me, good people make bad decisions every day, and so I don't look at anybody as a, as a person who made a bad decision. I'm sorry. I don't look at this as a bad person. I have that person come in and say, you know, good people make bad decisions. Our job is to to make sure we don't make that same decision again. Stephanie Boyd is our guest at Furman University. I'm in South Carolina. It's a beautiful campus, Thank by the you. way. Uh, let's recruit. Let's get some students here. <laughs> how, how many students go to school here? We have about 2,500 students, give or take. Um, we, um, again, are in beautiful South Carolina, at the, right at the, the bottom of the Foothill Mountains, or right near Greenville, which is a fairly large city. It's mm -hmm. an up-and-coming city. It's beautiful, lots of attractions. Um, it's a great place to live. I judge a city based on their airport. There is an international airport here in Greenville, South Carolina, so it's got to be a cultural mecca. Um, the football stadium I drove by, it, it's far bigger than your average 2,500 enrollment. Uh, do you know anything about the football team? I'm a big sports fan. Um, well, um, we've, we've got a pretty good football team. We've got a coach that's fairly new, so he's part, part of, kind of in the building process. But when you drove by the stadium, we're actually in a rebuild process. So um, they're redoing the, all the home side, um, which is right behind the big statue you saw. So um, um, it looks really nice. Can't wait for us to actually get back in there and uh, begin to enjoy the games in the new stadium. Okay, back to your office of um, drug and alcohol awareness. It's Stephanie Boyd, the um, coordinator of the program here at Drug and Alcohol Awareness at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, is there a success story you can tell me about? Maybe a student that came through one, two, three times in your office that finally got it and it clicked, they stayed out of trouble, and they went on to fame and fortune. Um, actually, um, I have a number of students that, when you when you ask that, that come to mind. Um, again, they made a bad decision on an occasion. Um, lots of frustration. Um, it could have been a second or a third time even by the, by the time they actually got to me. And with some work, some one-on-one -on -one counseling, some education, you know, as I said, an eight-hour education course, um, I have students who you know, come by and see me all the time, not, not to tell me about things that are going on with alcohol and drugs, but how well they're doing in classes, how successful they are in their sport, um, just how things have changed for them as a result of their choices. Um, particularly if it's a substance other than alcohol, for example, marijuana, um, we find that after students have stopped using for a time, they begin, their brains tend to clear. They say, oh my gosh, my grades are getting better. I'm actually wanting to go to class. I remember things I'm supposed to do. So, um, you know, we have a lot of success stories on this campus and a, and a lot of students who make very positive change. Can't thank you enough for your time. It's Stephanie Boyd at Furman University. Thank you so much and go Paladins. That's right. Did I do that right? That's Paladins? It. That's it. The Fighting Paladins of Furman University. Hi, this is Dan Patrick for a true original. His name, Adam Ritz. A true original.
Nick Sand. We are on the campus of Southern Methodist University. It's SMU in Dallas, Texas, with head men's basketball coach Larry Brown. Hi, Coach Brown. How are you? It's good to see you again, Adam. I'm telling you, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, I followed you with you uh, when you were with the Indiana Pacers. I'm a big Pacer fan growing up in Indianapolis, and it's just great to have you on the show to talk about uh, life skills and some of the off-the-court issues that we talk about on this Social Awareness Radio show, your foundations and charity work, I'm sure, from all those years in college basketball, the NBA, and now here at SMU, you've got a ton of stories. This could be a five-day interview, but we're just going to try to pull some, some little nuggets out here and there and, uh, and talk about your service, maybe. How important is that for you with your players now, your current team here at SMU with community service and getting them involved uh, with the Dallas area? Well, the most important thing is, you know, you teach them to be men, you know, um, in my life, I've been blessed. I, I played for some of the greatest coaches ever. Um, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for Coach Smith, Coach McGuire, Miss Stiebel on the Olympic team, Pete Newell, John McClendon. All those people took a personal interest in me, and you know, it's allowed me to do exactly what I want to do. I'm, I don't think I'm capable of doing anything else, but I love teaching and coaching. And there's a lot more than just getting kids to play the right way. Um, you know, hearing you speak today, it's about what you represent and how many kids look up to you and you have a responsibility to do the right thing. So um, you try as a coach every day, you know, to set an example and to surround yourself with people that, you know, have the same values. So um, it's pretty neat. And my, my wife... Um, you know, she's gotten me involved in a lot of things that I never even thought about. Um, you know, we help with a camp called Dragonfly that helps kids with autism. It's the only autism camp of its kind. And I got to meet Paul Newman once, and uh, he had these hole-in-the-wall gang camps for uh, terminally disadvantaged kids. And my wife got me involved with a camp called Peyton Turtle. And... Uh, my daughter works as a counselor there, and it's been a big part of my life. But uh, really what I'm about, you know, I love basketball. I love the sport. I love what what it does for kids, what it's done with my life. And, you know, I'm 72 years old, and I've never worked a day in my life. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, you do what you love, and you don't work at all, do you? Coach Larry Brown is with us, uh, head men's basketball coach at Southern Methodist University. Um, you mentioned your age and, and your a uh, little bit of your resume from when you played in, in the basketball. You played in the NBA as well, didn't you? Well, I played in the ABA, and then okay. it merged. Okay. Um, and then uh, I was about a time in my career where I – I became a coach by accident. You know, I looked at myself. I wanted to be a high school coach um, and teach American history. I wanted to coach baseball, basketball, and football and have the summers off. And by some accident, I became a pro coach, and then I've gone back and forth pro in college and been pretty neat. Yeah. So with all of that experience, and I've got to think, uh, you know, I sometimes shake my head at how social media uh, has changed everything. And when you're coaching your kids on the court, um, is, that a, is that at the forefront of, of how you, uh, um, I don't want to say coach them on the court, but let's say after the practice, after a game, do you worry about what they're going to be tweeting, posting, Instagramming? Because that gets so many great athletes in so much trouble 
the way they misuse their social media outlets? Well, I never really thought about it. You know, um, when I was an NBA coach, um, I dreaded guys walking on the bus, you know, tweeting and talking and because I wanted them to interact with each other. I didn't realize, you know, whatever they say or do, other people hear about it all the time. But, you know, learning about it, and I realize now um, it's something you got to be responsible enough to realize that whatever you say is public knowledge. And I, you know, I won't mention names of coaches, but um, in the last couple of years, I've heard a lot of people say something about a coach that he's involved with this person and it's affected their lives. Um, and they're not, they're not aware of it. Our kids are not aware of it. So I bring it to our kids' attention. Um, and I don't know if they really realize it. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I got to watch Pacific and uh, Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, I don't think I would have had the courage to do what those 18-year-olds did. And everybody said, well, when you're 18, you think you're invincible. You don't think there's any consequence to what you do. And there's a consequence for everything we do. And hearing you speak and making my kids aware of what the potential of doing something wrong or saying something they don't really mean or you're just kidding about it can affect the rest of your life is really important for these kids to hear. Um, and it's a shame because uh, when I was a young coach, everything they wrote about you was just about the game. It had nothing to do with you as a person. You either won the game or lost the game. Um, they very rarely said you played badly. Um, now, when they report about the game, it has nothing about the game mm-hmm. anymore. It's all about the personality or how you acted. And I tell our kids all the time, people judge you by the way you look, by the way you dress, by the way you conduct yourself. And that sets in it, you know, their opinion of you for the rest of your life in some cases. So I guess that's what you're talking about. Do you? Have a Twitter or a Facebook? No, um, <laughs> but I have it now. As a as a college coach, um, I have to let people know what I do on a daily basis. Um, you know, because kids are constantly looking for things. Um, it's 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 amazing that my assistants are always tweeting stuff. I I just learned how to use a phone. <laughs> Honest, I, I, I did not know how to text at all. I never even thought about it. Okay. Never even entered my mind. But they told me when you're a college coach, this is an important part. And that's part of recruiting. Um, you're trying to establish, you know, SMU in the eyes of kids where they think they want to come there and play mm-hmm. for you. So... I don't do it, but my assistants do it. I'm probably getting in trouble for saying that. Do you have an iPad? No. Um, <laughs> I, I, had, I don't know how to use a computer. Um, the, the only way that I will use a computer is to watch a game. Okay. I, but my assistants have to sit next to me and show me. <laughs> now, my boy, I have a, I have a boy who's going to be a freshman here next year, 
and a daughter who will be 16 on Wednesday, and they know how to use everything. And they're involved with every part of social media you can be. Um, and they help me in a lot of cases because it's really informative. There's a lot of things. You know, I hear a lot of neat people speak, and that's affected my life in a real positive way. And there's some examples that I've seen that, you know, they'll, sh they'll show me that I, I'm a little nervous about them watching. But, uh, you know, they're decent kids. They've been raised the right way, so I'm comfortable with that. Head coach Larry Brown is joining us on the program. He's the uh, head coach at SMU. Southern Methodist University. You mentioned your children now. They're teenagers. One of them's coming to college next year. Uh, let's talk parenting and fatherhood. I mean, as a coach, uh, you've got a little bit of an advantage on You've been coaching and teaching children uh, and athletes your whole life. Um, there are a lot of people out there that are, that are struggling with parenthood and, and um, how, how, how to handle and communicate with their own kids. Uh, what's been your, I guess, best experience as a father and maybe uh, uh, best advice to the next generation of fathers? Well, I'll have a wife like I have. <laughs> she's, she's a great mother and, you know, it, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that my profession have allowed me to do, um, but it's kept me away from my kids a lot. So I've been so lucky to have a wife that uh, the most important thing for her is raising their kids. Um, I want them to have great grades. I want them to be great athletes. I want them, you know, to be popular. But at the end of the day, um, I want them to be decent kids. And uh, they really are. They get it. Uh, they treat people with respect. Um, they know by their actions it, ha it reflects on us and I hope that they understand that we realize by the way Shelly and I act reflects on them. So we do the very best I can, uh, we can to make sure we're a big part of their lives. Um, and I, I'm really concerned with how I act. Um, and there was a time in my life I didn't think about that. Um, and I've been so lucky that there's been people that have been part of my life. I lost my dad when I was really young, but everybody in my family kind of took care of me and taught me right from wrong. But I heard Dennis Prager say at one time, hey, yeah, I'd love my kids to have great grades, love them to be popular, but at the end of the day, I want them to be decent and respect other people, and I think our kids are, are that way. That's fantastic. Uh, when I think of the glory days of, uh, of the Pacers, uh, I think of you and uh, your work with uh, Rick Smits and, and Reggie Miller and those battles with the New York Knicks. Uh, from your seat on the bench, tell us about uh, maybe a couple of fond memories from uh, the Larry Brown files with the Indiana Pacers. Well, I mean, when you coach in Indiana it's, uh, and you coach basketball, I, I know the Colts have changed that culture a little bit, but that's a basketball state. Um, what Branch McCracken did and Bobby Leonard did and Bobby Knight did and all these great high school programs, I mean, basketball is huge there. And uh, I love being part of that because, one, people love the sport, but the other thing is they were so passionate about it and knowledgeable. And that was fun. And then, you know, 
I worked for the greatest owners. You could, the Simons were phenomenal. I mean, uh, anything you needed as a coach to be successful, they were there to, to help you. And then I coached some of the greatest players ever. Reggie Miller, um, you know, people see a side of Reggie being crazy and emotional, but he worked at his craft. He was one of the greatest teammates you could ever be around. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to see him get in the Hall of Fame, and that was that was pretty darn special. Rick Smith's, uh, when I got the job, Donnie said, Donnie Wall said, I don't know, in my heart I think Rich Smith's can play, but I want you you to find out. And I hung around that guy, and he was one of the most underrated players I'd ever been with. And I saw Dell Davis grow and develop each day, and I saw maybe the greatest teammate of all time, and a kind of guy named Derek McKee, mm-hmm. one of the most underrated players. And I was fortunate enough to be around all those guys. And then after I left, they only got better. You know, Larry Bird and Rick Carlisle and Coach Harder, you know, made that team even better. So I have great memories about being in Indianapolis. That's fantastic to uh, to hear because we've all got uh, great memories of, of you coaching the Pacers. Um, Larry Brown is our guest, uh, one of the all-time great coaches, and uh, you're just really starting your uh, tenure here with Southern Methodist University. Let's talk about the present and the future real quick. What's the future for Larry Brown here at SMU? Well, I know June Jones is a good friend of yours. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for June. I was like the 15th choice, (laughs) and June kept pushing me and saying, hang in there, stay with it. And June and I met when I was coaching San Antonio, and he was driving us around. This happened a long, long time ago, and I think in 1989 or 90. And lo and behold, you know, 20-something years later, we're hooked up together. But this is a great school. It's great academically. We're going into a new conference where the competition is going to be so much greater. Uh, The exposure is going to be better. We were 15 and 17 this year, and... Um, I don't think it did a great job, but we had a young team and we were pretty short-handed. But we've had an amazing recruiting year. We've got some really quality kids left in the program. And if I don't screw them up, we're going to be pretty damn good. And I, you know, I want us to compete on a, on a national level. I, I look at us. We have the potential to be a lot like Butler. We have the potential to be a lot like Gonzaga. We have a lot of the same things that John Thompson had when he went to Georgetown in a great conference, a great school academically, and a great city. So I'm hopeful we can grow and develop this into being a pretty special place. Well, that's exciting. Uh, Larry, we th- thank you for your time. Larry Brown, the head coach here at SMU. Uh, just a pleasure to have you on and uh, hear about your work with autism and with these kids you, you have here at SMU and, and your memories from the Pacers. It's just been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Coach Brown, for joining us. It's great to see you again, Adam. Thank you. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social. Technically, let's check in now with Lowell Whiteman, who is the director of 360 Mindset Sports Psychology. It's Lowell Whiteman. Thanks, Adam. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Winston V for Victory Seminole. In fact, um, about a year ago, on December 7th, 2012, Jameis Winston was accused of sexual assault, and some might think rape. 
And on December 5th of this year, the Florida State Attorney, Willie Meggs, would consider bringing formal charges against Winston. Today we know that no formal charges will be filed, thereby allowing Winston the opportunity to play in the ACC Championship game versus Duke University on December 7th. The circumstances that created this story may never be completely disclosed or understood. At the time this report was created, Winston was on his way to leading his team to an undefeated season, winning the ACC Championship, and earning the right to play for the National Championship. Individually, Jameis was honored with the Heisman Trophy. It is my hope, going forward, that both parties focus on the details that make them great as they surround themselves with people and things that challenge them to be their best and do what is right. This is Lowell Whiteman, 360 Mindset, reporting for Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. And now we welcome to the show a special guest, Kim Durand. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Adam. Good to see you. Kim is the uh, one of the associate athletic directors at the University of Washington. Some call it UW or <laughs> Go Dogs. Right. Or what is your favorite nickname for the University of you Washington? Know, I um, UW because I think it kind of fits the personality out here in Seattle. And the Huskies. Yeah, Huskies, right? Go Dogs, we say. And there's been some controversy on whether or not you spell Huskies with a Y or I-E. We, we're straight I-E folks out here. <laughs> well, we're here to learn more about a Husky uh, initiative within your athletic department. Tell us about it. Yeah, we, um, about five years ago, we started a program called Blitz the Sound. And uh, the Puget Sound is the greater Seattle area. And uh, we have our football team blitz the area um, working with Seattle Public Schools. And so over a two-day period each spring, every one of our football players goes into Seattle Public Schools, elementary and middle schools, and basically work with the instructors there, everything from reading um, books to kindergartners to working with kids with behavioral issues to running PE classes doing school assemblies, kind of delivering messages about the importance of school and education, um, physical fitness, um, respecting authority, all those types of things. And so um, we, it's kind of grown and gotten a lot of national um, recognition. Uh, we do it, and it's, it's both great for the Seattle Public Schools and ch- school children, but really the, our players get just as much out of the experience, giving back to the community. And so over time, that's kind of evolved. We have several um, football players who didn't want to just do that every spring, but really have turned it into uh, a passion of theirs year-round. So they'll do extended visits to campus um, on working with some of our inner city schools that struggle and uh, actually earn academic credit and work with kind of policies uh, to help better, better better those programs right in our own neighborhood. Blitz the Sound is a fantastic name. Yeah. That is, uh, did, did that term or that branding come about within the walls of the athletic department or did you hire, have to hire out a, 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 no, an advertising we, agency we to come up with it? No, we because, um, you know, obviously in this area of the community, everyone knows the sound, and so yeah. Puget Sound. Um, and we wanted something that connected specifically with football. So blitzing, uh, blitzing the sound kind of had, yeah. the, had the right message. That's so much better than sack the lake. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's how we wanted it to um, have something that we could brand over time that the schools, when we reached out every year, could go, oh, yeah, that's that same program from last year, and we had five or six guys come. Um, and so it's taken on momentum. Now we have a lot of our uh, other sports involved, so we have 
our, a lot of our female teams doing the same thing will go in jointly or at separate occasions. And like I said, it's beneficial for both the, the school children and the schools and, and our young men and women. That's a great name. We've, we've worked with a lot of ad- advertising agencies, oh, yeah. PR firms, and that's okay. something. That's a great branding for that. Yeah. You could make T-shirts, Absolutely. sweatshirts. You could merchandise that and give right. the proceeds to uh, charity. I mean, yeah. that's an amazing. I love that. Blitz the sound. Yeah. And it, I think, it, again, it's just it's now recognizable. It's things that we talk about when even with freshmen coming in, having not heard about the program, if they've lived in the Seattle community, they've heard heard about it. Um, so even our freshmen are on board. There's not a lot, it doesn't take a lot to kind of bring them up to speed because of the initiative and because the media covers it and it's kind of out there as, as something that we do. When uh, one of your guys blitzes into a school, does he wear um, his football jersey yeah. or just a, t- a Washington yeah, t-shirt? So Full jerseys. pads, right? Helmet too? I wish. Uh, <laughs> so we definitely do the jerseys, although some schools have asked for you know, guys to come in full pads or explain maybe what they what they do before a game preparation. So we've had some guys that actually you know go in their pants and put on their pads and their jerseys. No and kidding. That so really, it's really up to what the school wants and needs. We've um, several schools recently have asked us to ha- take part in bullying campaigns. Mm. So really talking about um, how we don't allow bullying on our team, so they shouldn't in their playgrounds or you know interaction. So it's been fun to really be able to have each team work with whatever that school needs. And something I learned today, number one rowing, college rowing program in America. Is that right? Three consecutive national champions uh, in in men's crew. And um, yeah, last year's season, they did not lose a single race on their way to winning it all. That is fantastic. We learned so much here on the Adam Rich Show. (laughs) Blitz the sound and uh, national champion rowing team here at UW with the Huskies. With with an IE. Right, IE, please. Kim Duran, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. My pleasure. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.